Hello, my name is Morgan Gray, and welcome back to the Afrocentric Podcast. and then go home and be white? It only takes a little bit of white brainwash to activate the cool chip in the average Negro. And a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense. And we are back with the Afrocentric Podcast. Um, Today... Is a freestyle day. I am really excited to be in the studio. First, I want to say happy spring equinox. Happy first day of spring. Um, I'm recording live today on my Instagram. This is something I plan on doing every Monday as I record. So if you want to catch me live, you know where to find me on my Afrocentric podcast page. But without further ado, I am going to introduce the topic of today. So the topic that we will be talking about today is going to be hoodoo, hoodoo conjure, and roots. Um, the goal of this episode is to dispel largely um, 
hoodoo in American culture. It has such a negative connotation and it has so much to do with uh, Eurocentricism and the way that we view God and Christianity. Um, this episode is not to get anyone to change their mind or convert religions or to make anyone in or out of a religion. My goal of this episode really is to give you guys more information um, to bring the mystical and attach it with um the real element of religion back to black um religion so let's go ahead and jump into it so the first part of this conversation i want to have is what is religion and in my opinion religion is the belief in and the worship of a superhero a power or the powers that be especially of a god or gods or goddesses okay so largely when we are talking about religion we have to understand that religion is a reflection of the current culture so the relationship between culture and religion is revealed in the motivation and the manifestation of the cultural expression so if culture expresses how humans experience and understand the world religion is a fundamental way in which humans experience and understand the divine so religion plays a crucial role for a person into giving a cultural identity and religion contributes in order to protect to protect this heritage and also to the diversity of a country. So another point that I want to make when we're talking about religion is the fact that the more advanced that a culture becomes, the further away a culture shifts away from polytheism. And I know some of y'all might know what polytheism is and others may not. So for those who do not know or have a great understanding of polytheism, polytheism is the belief in many gods. So largely when we talk about the old Abrahamic well, let me not start there. So polytheism was the typical form of religion before the development and the spread of the Abrionic religions. So a group in ancient Mesothemioma in today. Attention. If you were a loved one was diagnosed with mesothelioma, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Egypt practiced some forms of polytheism as well as monotheisms and civilizations such as the Sumerians and ancient Egyptians practice polytheism. So what I want you guys to understand is, is that at the beginning of humanity and the great formation of what is what we know now as religion, there were gods and goddesses assigned to every single item. So there was a goddess for trees, a goddess for fertility, a god for the ocean, a God for the sun. And it was because they had this understanding, number one, that there was a spirit or a present within, presence within any inanimate or animate object. Number two, it's not until society becomes more advanced that they move away from this belief of multiple gods and they shift into the belief of one solar God. And this is reflected in the Abrionic, the Abrahamic religions. So, Monotheism. Monotheism is the belief of one God. And again, that is the, this is the reflection of Abrionic religions. So Judaism, 
Christianity and Islam. And it's also argued that within these Abrianic religions, there is still forms of polytheism because there is more there's the what is it the godhead three and one the father son and the holy spirit so that is how while we're having this discussion about hoodoo that is how we're going to be looking at religion from this perspective now hoodoo when it first arrived here in memphis was very much feared in so much that in 1872 in germantown tennessee we saw one of the most violent incidents of mob violence where 300 men beat a former slave to death because it was believed he placed a curse on a neighbor and made him sick. This same fear would permeate Memphis for years to come. In the 1940s, there were records of police going into settlements throughout Memphis, pulling out root workers and shaking them down, taking their sacred artifacts, mojo bags, roots, and herbs. But yet, hoodoo survived. And it survived on a street called Beale. For on Beale Street, there were so many root workers, so many conjurers, and so many spiritual doctors that physicians in Memphis publicly complained that they were losing patients to the root workers on Beale. We started hearing musicians on Beale singing songs about John the Conqueror and Black Cat Bones. And the great W.C. Handy even sang about a hoodoo spiritual healer named Carolyn Dye. Carolyn Dye was a spiritual healer that lived in Newport, Arkansas, some 80 miles away. And she had such a following in Memphis that we had a train that would take you from Memphis to Newport and you could ask for the Carolyn Dye special to board that train. What is hoodoo, hoodoo conjure, and or root work? So, hoodoo in and of itself is an umbrella term that describes African-American traditions of spiritual healing, ancestral divination, and protection healing, ancestral divination, and protection. Okay, so hoodoo developed hundreds of years ago as enslaved people interacted with the local ecologies, the local places in which they found themselves in, in America. So instead of being reconstituted as African derivative religions, Hoodoo was born of the fragments of indigenous African religions. So when the enslaved people were taken from Africa and they were brought into these new lands within America, what happened was this Christianity was forced upon them. So instead of simply just, <laughs> so instead of simply just accepting Christianity as what it was, what they did was is they adapted different forms and traditions from African religions and they pieced them together and incorporated them into Christianity. Okay, so hoodoo is African-American magic. I want you to understand that hoodoo is not a religion. It is the spiritual tradition of the invisible institution. This is the term that was coined by the late religion historian Albert Roboto to refer to the clodestine or the sacred life of African-American people. So hoodoo 
is Christianity plus ancestral veneration. I'm going to say this again. Hoodoo is Christianity plus ancestral veneration. So it incorporates elements from the environment. It adapted the spirit of nature and the land, and it involves African Native American traditions, practices, and even European folk religion and folk magic, as well as Christianity. But the dominant orientation was African. So we can talk and we can think of hoodoo and conjure or root work as a traditional synthesis and hybridity. And many people argue that the purpose of this tradition was to make life better for the enslaved black person. So in that we have this specific thing or things that were embedded in the practice and Mostly, it was focused around the ritual for healing, for good fortune, and well-being. So, because of all of these elements, right, because of all of these elements, it makes hoodoo a viable religion because the living descendants are generationally linked to the ancestors. And I'm going to say that again. The living descendants are genetically linked to the ancestors. So with this in mind, that means that hoodoo is a closed practice and it is only reserved for those who are descendants of enslaved Africans. Because, and I'm, I'm going to stop y'all right here, the white people you know, the woke ones with the, the dreadlocks with all the shit up in them and stuff. They they want to do a little witchcraft. The little white pagans, they want to do a little hoodoo, but they can't. The right is only reserved for us as African-American people, okay? Do you know what hoodoo is? African-American hoodoo. Not voodoo, but hoodoo. H-O-O-D-O-O. Well, in my BIPOC book club this month, we're reading Mojo Working, the Old African-American Hoodoo System by Katrina Hazard Donald. And in it, she, she defines hoodoo as this. For the purposes of this study, hoodoo is the indigenous herbal healing and supernatural controlling spiritual folk tradition of African-Americans in the United States. Essentially, hoodoo for African-Americans is embodied historical memory, linking them through time to previous generations and ultimately to their African past. And I give the definition of hoodoo because in the present day, hoodoo has taken on many different forms. And people have given the term hoodoo onto different other practices and systems that aren't necessarily connected to the origins and history of what African-American hoodoo system really is. And so we have to remember, just like all these other ATRs, hoodoo started off as a location of African-American both spirituality, community, connectivity, and resistance to the oppression that they were facing on the everyday level. And resistance was common. One form was actually through poisoning, <laughs> believe it or not. And it actually really is believable because many of the ATRs involve understanding of how to use herbs, right? And there's different understandings of what herbs can do from both healing and killing because circle of life. So many masters and many of those who owned enslaved peoples had this kind of both and relationship with the different practices enslaved peoples did in the United States at that time. Because 
because many had to go, many um, enslavers, many white folks had to go to enslaved peoples or other indigenous peoples to get healing because they didn't actually know what herbs to use for different ailments they were coming down with, especially in the South when you had different types of, of, of ailments due to the environment. But there's a both and to all of this. Once you know how to use an herb to heal, you can also figure out how to use an herb to kill. And many times you saw through the historical record, where it be archiving of newspapers or archives of, of actual enslavers' journal diaries or the stories of enslaved peoples and their descendants, what you see is a, is quite frankly a somewhat common occurrence of people also using that knowledge from these systems to poison their enslaver. So when we talk about hoodoo and we put it in historical context, I'm going to keep saying it. It was another ATR that was both a way for us to keep our memory of where we came from, but also to resist the current oppression our ancestors were in. So if you want to learn more, check the link on my bio, my Patreon, and like, share, and follow, because I'll keep talking about this for a couple of more videos. So conjure and conjuring refers to the interactions with the spirits of humans or angels or saints or other spiritual beings, including the dead, the ancestors, or the Christian God and Jesus Christ. So when you look at this, you have to think about who to conjure as many of the same things religion has, okay? African-American conjurers were seen as a threat by white Americans because enslaved people went free and enslaved conjurers to receive charms for protection and revenge against their slaveholders. Okay, so let's move on to what roots are. Roots and root working specifically refers to the use of certain natural and organic objects in the performance of actions to make things happen, whether it's healings, whether it's poisonings, or supernatural prediction, which is called divination. And we will talk about divination more in depthly towards the end of this episode. So according to the author Zora Neale Hurston, roots is a Southern Negro term for folk doctoring by herbs, prescriptions, and by exorcision. And because hoodoo doctors cure by roots, it may be used as a symptom, a synonym for hoodoo. So the term hoodoo, the term roots or root working, and the term conjuring are all synonyms and they work together. Okay, and they are all forms of resistance against white supremacy. People who practice hoodoo are called root workers, conjure doctors, the conjure man, the conjure woman, root doctors, hoodoo doctors, and swampers. So let's dive into the history of hoodoo. So over the first century of the transatlantic slave, um, it's an estimated of 52% of African or enslaved Africans were kidnapped from Africa. So that's over 900,000 people. And they came to Central American countries um, like Cameroon, from Cameroon, from the Congo, from Angola, from Central African Republic, and from Goban. And many hoodoo traditions draw on the beliefs of the Banco people of Central Africa. From Central Africa, hoodoo has Banco magical influence from the Banco religion incorporated, the Congo congressmen and water spirits, 
therein and thereof. So the African, the West African influence is voodoo or voodoo, and that comes from Fawn and the Iwi people and Benin and Tango followings, and it has some elements from the Yoruba religion. And after their contact with European slave traders and missionaries, some Africans converted to Christianity willingly while other enslaved Africans were forced to become Christian, which resulted in the synchronization of African spiritual practices and beliefs with the Christian faith. So I want to talk here because I want you guys to understand that hoodoo is the attempt to be able to relive the traditions that happened within Africa. And they were hidden in plain sight. And this is not the first time in world history where people are stripped of their religion and they are forced to adopt Christianity. We see this at the beginning of Russia's history. And I'm going to tell you guys a quick story and then we're going to focus back on hoodoo. So... In the early years of Russian history, most Russians were pagan. The Russian people were nomadic people. They traveled from different parts of land. They tilled the soil until the, the soil was tired. And when the soil was tired, they would move to a different part or a different plot of land. They were ignorant. They didn't have much information on technology, agriculture, and you get it. So as Russia became an older country, the patriarch of Russia um, wanted Russia to have its own divine religion, something that was prominent, something that would make Russia look like a more threatening, more united country. So as I stated before, Russia was a Slavic pagan religion. It incorporated natural elements. Um, this is where you get stores like um, the Babiana. Um, and they have um, very interesting, rich, deep culture. And if you ever feel interested to look into uh, Slavic religion, I definitely would suggest that you do. So the king at the time, like I said, he wanted to become known as a, a more religious nation, something that could be competed with with Europe. So um, what he did was is he gathered some of his best um, servicemen and he told them that they were going to pick a religion. So he sent them to different countries at different times at the same time and they observed different religions. And what the what these representatives of Russia at this time was known as what Rus Kiev, something like that. Um, they were supposed to go within these ceremonial, divine ceremonial places and observe what is going on within those places um, to write down the different um, details about the religions, pros and cons. Ah, 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 ah. So when they returned back to Russia, they brought back their reporting. So one representative went to uh, the mosque and he was like, um, we enjoyed the mosque, but they stayed in church too long and they're not allowed to drink. He's like, they're not allowed to drink. Well, drinking is the pride of Russia. So we're not going to have, we're not going to be able to convert to Islam. 
Okay, so then another one comes back and was like, we just came back from Catholicism. We absolutely love Catholicism. The incense are great. The music is grand. There's so many different um, murals and art and history. I think we should become Catholics. And we're also allowed to drink as Catholics because, as you know, you know, you take and consume the body. Um, and then you drink the blood or the wine in Catholicism and they actually have real wine. So, um, the country from that moment decided to adopt Christianity as its native religion. So within a couple of days of the king or not the king, the, the Tsar of Russia announced that everyone within the nation state had three days to be able to come to this specific river within Russia and to be baptized and to convert from Christian from paganism to Christianity right so you have to understand how much of a travesty this was for Russian people during this time period um something that held years of traditions culture um something that held their heritage close was ripped away from them just so that their country could advance forward and they were all forced to come down to one specific river and to be baptized so what is interesting is the form of resistance the russian people had um after they were forced to convert to christianity um, so much so that they took the same route that many African Americans did when they were forced to um, join Christianity. So what they did was is they practiced in secrecy and they hid in plain sight. So um, there are a lot of documentation of um, Russian people and Russian um preachers monks clergymen building their churches on sacred grounds so in russia something that would be sacred would be maybe a tree something that the fae may or may not have um lived on or intervened in so they would build a church on top of a sacred tree or a sacred something that is considered sacred grounds and they would still practice moreover they would incorporate their magic within the practice so this is something that is again related back to african-american people because they were forced to for um to practice christianity um they still practice their african traditions um under the guise of christianity and so much so that it is so deeply indulged in our culture in a way that it's like we cannot see it and i think it's um it is because of the white man. <laughs> he got his foot on our necks. <laughs> oh, seriously. Um, this is because they want everybody to believe in Christianity and they always have. And because the religion um, during that time period, they were given the slave Bible as a way to justify slavery. So, um, and if you want more, I have an episode on that um just check it out so moving on i want to talk about the etymology of hoodoo 
So the first documentation of the word hoodoo in the English language appears in 1870. And the origins of this word are very obscure, but it is believed to originate as an alteration of the word voodoo, a word that has its origin in the Jibi language, such as Yoway language, the Aje language, and Fon languages of Ghana, Togo, and Benin, referring to divinity. Okay? So the extent to which hoodoo could be practiced varies by region and temperament of the slave owner. So example, the Gullah people, the Gullah people are located in the southeast part of America. That's going to be like from North Carolina, South Carolina, all the way down to Georgia, right? So, um, the location that they lived in, they lived in islands. So they lived in a way that was completely isolated and they had a lot of relative freedom and they were allowed to recreate various tr traditional West African cultural practices. Now, one thing I do find interesting about the Gullah Geechee people is um, the power within their tongues. Um, there are a lot of records of white people encountering the Gullah Geechee people on these um, isolated um, islands and they would cast spells on the Gullah. The Gullah Geechee would cast spells on white people simply using their tongues so much so that um, when they went to arrest the Gullah Geechee people, they would put stones in their mouths so that they would not be able to speak. I want to say hot stones. So, I feel like this shows you how much power there is in the tongue and how how powerful words are. Um, I also want to put you guys on to um, a show that is on Hulu. It is called um, Motherland. And it is really good. It is about female witches who fight in the military and it's really interesting. But there, their voice, the power also comes from their vocal chords and again it goes back to the power of the tongue these people were literally dropped here from the ivory coast if i'm not mistaken do not mess with them the Gullah Geechee. they'll actually put a stone or block in her mouth to keep her from talking there was actually books written where they were so frightened of them the women especially because they practiced this communal protectionism that if a sound that came out of her mouth it meant your death. And so when you approach a person who's a practitioner from the Gullah Geechee, especially or particularly an elder, tread very carefully because they may have the power to hurt you by sound, which is absolutely frightening. Like we say, Hoodoo is not a game. It is just a knowing of how the universe works better than some people to a certain extent and to see it actually work with your own eyes. But when it comes to the Gullah Geechee, descendants of maybe the, the Khan clan, Bikini Faso, be extremely careful because their ancestors were more strict and they have it honestly. In some parts of um, the Carolinas, I have witnessed that they actually still perform African rituals there from their ancestors because they were isolated on this island in the Carolinas and a lot hasn't changed. So it's truer so than our hoodoo even because it's handed directly 
directly to them. And everybody in the family practices it. You know, it's not jumping generations and, you know, you're gonna choose one or two. No, they're, they're all doing it all the time. A lot of your celebrities may be descendants of, you know, the Gullah Geechee. Those are the ones who are, in my opinion, closely related to the origins of an ATR from Africa than most of us because they were just able to keep it so intact because of their isolation. They didn't have all of these influences, an extra Bible, a new Bible, a new age Bible. No, they just kept it right where it should be. As time passed on, hoodoo was silently integrated into the black church. And I have so many examples for you guys, it's gonna blow your mind. So this first example I'm going to give y'all is going to be amazing. So did you niggas know that the Kojic Church, the Church of God in Christ, has origins in hoodoo? No, I know you niggas didn't, but it's okay because I got the information for you. So Bishop Charles Harrison Mason Sr., he was and still is the founder of the Church of God in Christ. So Bishop Mason was baptized as a Christian. He was a Pentecostal denominational leader, the founder of the Church of God in Christ based in Memphis, Tennessee, and one of the most crucial events in Mason's life was surviving the yellow fever epidemic when he was 12 years old. His recovery was attributed to the prayer and root work from his mother. His mother's name was Eliza and she was formerly enslaved and was known in the community as being very powerful, spiritually gifted, which people believed eventually Bishop Mason inherited. So Bishop Mason was the Kojic's founder and he was known for root work and divination for his methods to help him communicate to the saints and the prophets of God and to deliver the message of Pentecostalism to the church's followers. So when Minister Bishop, the Reverend Honorable Mason, he used roots and he gnarled and he twisted wood as a form of divination in order to discern God's voice and his will. So when this is very similar to when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush and God asks Moses, um, what is it that you have in your hand? And Moses answers a staff or a rod, right? And then the staff, it um, transformed into a snake and then it trans back, transformed back into itself. So um, in this example of this story with Moses, God used the staff or the rod as a way to communicate his power to Moses. And then there's another example where um, he uses a staff as a weapon to make uh, Moses' staff a concrete image in Yahweh's power in his battle against Pharaoh and its function and it functions as a symbol of royalty presented a concrete challenge to Pharaoh's authority and it's also seen again when Aaron's staff swallows the staff of the magician so um, Bishop 
Mason used his staff as a way to um, commune with God and to see what it was that God wanted. So currently in the church of God in Christ, there are not very few. There are not a lot of root workers who belong in the church because the church has since denounced hoodoo and has clarified that hoodoo is considered sinful, sinful, but the congregation or community still accepts hoodoo, conjure workers, and root doctors as members of the church. Bishop Charles Harrison Mason was the son of a slave who later became one of the founders of the Kojic Church, also known as Church of God in Christ or the Pentecostal Church. The founding of this church has deep, deep ties in hoodoo. The theology behind the Holy Spirit and being possessed by it was born in the Kojic Church, as well as speaking in the old tongue long forgotten by slaves, which we now call speaking in tongues. Catching the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues is a form of possession that many still practice today in the Black church. And unfortunately, it's also being appropriated in many white churches as well. Bishop gained most of his support by hosting revival statewide and eventually worldwide. There is one thing that I read in my research that really made me respect the bishop even more. Um, I grew up in a Kojic church and we weren't allowed to really wear pants or really do anything as women, but do what we were told. And women were not allowed to preach when I was growing up. And when they did, it was frowned upon. However, Bishop Mason didn't think that a woman's voice should be suppressed by the church. He was an advocate for the women in his congregation and his free mind and spirit had many former slaves flocking to his new denomination. The bishop also made it known that he was a root worker and that he wouldn't sever ties with his African spirituality and heritage. He never believed that there was anything wrong with seeing the power in the roots. And he was known for his divination techniques using a rod, cane, wand, or stick, and often reminded others that many people in the Bible used this technique, including Moses. However, his openness with his spirituality is one of the reasons why he had no choice but to create the Kojic Church. Because of his views and his strong standing in his beliefs, he was faced with expulsion from the Baptist Association. By the time of his death in 1961, the Kojic Church had more than 4,000 churches and over 400,000 members in South America, Africa, Asia, Europe, and the United States. Now it has 6.5 million members and 12,000 congregations around the world. I'm not sure how authentic this photo is, but this was one of the only photos that I could find of him in his element outside of the church. As always, thank you so much for watching and I really hope this helps. And I just want you to know that I always love reading your comments. You guys really make my day. So remember when I was telling you that hoodoo is Christianity plus ancestral veneration. So one of the most powerful keys within hoodoo is the Bible. Moreover, a lot of root workers and road openers use the Bible as a way to protect themselves, especially Psalms.
So um, I'm gonna give you guys a few examples of how um, Psalms is used as a way of um, protecting oneself, okay? So the first Psalms that we're going to go over is the Psalms 23rd, and that is the Psalm of David. And I'm pretty sure a lot of y'all know it. So it starts, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me, thy rod and thy self staff they comfort me thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies and thou anoints my head with oil and my cup runneth over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever amen so many of us i know for myself specifically many of us learn this prayer as a child we were asked to use this prayer um, before going to sleep. And this psalm specifically is used for protection as well as for warding off anything that might be evil or negative. And it's also considered a road opener or a way to call on success, specifically the fifth scripture. Thou the fifth verse, thou prepareth the table for me in the presence of my enemy. Thou anoints my head with oil, my cup runneth over. So essentially, when people are using these scriptures um for whatever, because this specific scripture can be used for several things, they are analyzing what is being described and then applying the work within it and then manifesting from it so i'll give you guys another example because like i said psalms is used as a way for a lot of people to protect themselves so the next set of scriptures i'll be reading is psalms 90 19 16 through 17 and it is a prayer of moses the man of god so remember we're going to be analyzing what is being described and the work that can be applied so verse 16 says let thy work appear unto the servants thy glory upon their children verse 17 says and let the the beauty of the lord our god be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us yea the work of our hands establish thou it so let's break it down the first part the work appears upon thy servants. So in this instance, thy servants and thy works is going to be referring to the ancestors and the work that they did in the spiritual realm, as well as the works that they did while they were on earth. So this includes their good deeds and their spiritual gifts. And that's something that I will have to divulge into later because we there are several gifts of the spirit and um a lot of people possess them um some people possess um intuition which is not a a gift but it's something that you have to learn how to train and utilize um the now there's a little conversation around how many gifts of spirit there are some say this there's seven some say there's 12 some say that there's 25. this comes from the place of like there's different lists in different places like there's seven gifts listed in romans 
there's eight in first corinthians and then there's like a couple of other lists in other places so i think all together maybe it's 25 i haven't counted them all but here are a few no wait i'm gonna i'm gonna pull up a list because i'm gonna mess it up wait <laughs> okay so there's prophecy serving teaching giving leadership mercy word of wisdom word of knowledge faith gifts of healing miracles prophecies distinguishing between spirits tongues interpretation of tongues evangelism miracles help some of these are like a little redundant they mean the same thing and so when i think of this list i mean some of these are pretty self-explanatory prophecy divination and psychic works miracles and healing someone who has healing hands which also brings me to another point like all magic isn't like magic right some of it's just like you are very skilled and gifted because i could see someone having the gift of healing hands being like a doctor and there's not magic in that but they're still you know what i mean like that's the gift or the the gift to work with food to like make people make food that people love you know what i mean like let's say you had like the gift of like miracles and like maybe you were blessed to have money so that you could bless others you know your gifts your special abilities your intuition your inklings on the inside those are all gifts from the source that's why i don't always like it when people try to put themselves on a pedestal for having gifts because the truth of the matter whether people want to acknowledge this or not everyone has a gift there's just people who have tapped in and accepted those gifts and honed them and people who haven't we're all connected to source and source has a way of communicating with us all and has given us all a way to communicate with it and the world around us you are gifted the trick is you have to believe it these spiritual gifts have been passed down from generation to generation and if one has issues connecting to their spiritual gifts venerating the ancestors can help make their spiritual gifts stronger and making god bless those spiritual gifts so the second part of this scripture is glory upon the, their children and their children being you you are on the physical plane doing god's work and enhancing those spiritual gifts and this whole part is connecting to and venerating the ancestors so let me read it again let thy work appear upon thy servants and thy glory upon their children and let the beauty of the lord our god be upon us and establish thy work of thy hands upon us and let the work of our hands establish it thou psalms 19 16 through 17. What does it mean to be a Christian? Which means that you follow the life and teachings of Christ and you practice magic just as Christ did. I can tell you that Christ was a, necrom a necromancer. What is a necromancer? A person who speaks to the dead. I can tell you that Christ was a sorcerer. What is a sorcerer? A person who consorts with spirits. We have all through the Bible how Jesus talked. How many spirits did Jesus talk to? I can tell you without a doubt that Christ was a psychic, knew what was going to happen before it happened. I can tell you without a doubt that Christ was a medium. Why? Because he could commune with people and spirits that were dead. If you believe the transmutation, the transfiguration, not the transmutation, the transfiguration where he met with Moses and Elijah on the mountaintop. I don't know how you can escape the fact that many things Jesus did look quite witchy, necromantic, sorcery, sorcerish <laughs> to me. Look at it. And look at it with fresh eyes, not with the eyes that you were taught to look at things. I love you. Valerie Love. The next topic we're going to be discussing more in depthly is ancestral veneration, because this is something that I've been saying a lot. And I know some of y'all are like, what the fuck is ancestral veneration? So don't worry. I got y'all. So the veneration of the ancestors is a fundamental part of the African religion.
There is a clear reason for such veneration. The ancestors are respected and venerated because they are elders and have walked the path that living people have or will walk. The veneration of the dead, including one's ancestors, is based on love and respect for the deceased. And I also want to say that ancestral veneration is practiced in a lot of cultures, and not just African cultures, but Asian country cultures, Filipino country cultures, which is in Asia, as well as in uh, South American cultures, because we all know about the Day of the Dead. So this is how African Americans can venerate their ancestors okay so in some cultures it is related to belief that the dead have a continued existence and many possess the ability to influence the fortune of the living so um for those who practice hoodoo they believe that after one passes over or one goes over to the next part of life there is still work to be done so while you are here on earth you are doing what is needed on earth to be able to help yourself your family the society as well as the ecosystem and you are doing it on earth when you cross over then there is work still to be done and this is where one intercedes the ancestors intercede they do bidding for people they do they do roots they talk to people they do a lot of stuff okay so ancestral worship here is understood to refer to an attempt to preserve good relations with the departed kin these actions on the part of the living who are in a position to render help try to pacify or oblige the souls of the dead by offering them what they may need in their new existence and this is also seen specifically within um Egyptology, um, the building of the pyramids. We all know that within those pyramids um, and within those tombs were food. There were many figurines of um, servants and soldiers. Um, they mummified cats, um, dogs, bugs, all types of animals so that when their ancestors or their dearly departed moved on to the next part of life they would have everything that they may need for their new existence okay so it elevates them back into consciousness and it ratifies the historical memory and that's another thing I think that is important um people are only dead when they're no longer remembered so some people are mortal Maybe like a George Washington, somebody that we will constantly be talking about in history. His name will forever live on. So that means that he is preserved and he will continually be in existence. And that is why I know the um, Mexican culture, they try to remember the names of their ancestors throughout time. Because once those names are forgotten, they're gone for good. So... Remember that in some cultures, they also believe that they have the ability to influence the fortune of the living. Okay, so these actions on the part of the living who are in the position to render help try to elevate them in consciousness. Okay, and it empowers the living by connecting them in the cycle, the movement and the transmission of the soul, whether they call it an ancestral veneration or not.
And the final thing before I move on from this topic, even at a basic level as an African-American person, simply existing is a form of ancestral veneration. When people say that I am, what do people be saying? I am my ancestors' um, greatest accomplishment, uh, greatest dream. That's it. Yeah. They live through you. They live through you by curiously. So simply just living is a form of venerating your ancestors. And that's courage. On, on the earth that is actually literally full of ancestors. And we never pay any attention to this fact. I mean, most people don't. It is as if all of the indigenous knowledge, all of the indigenous wisdom, all of the indigenous everything is just something that we completely discredit as if it never existed. And this is a deep impoverishment of us as modern people. That's why we walk around looking like we are zombies. I mean, I know what it feels like to be supported by ancestors. I lean on them all the time. These are the people who have gotten me as far in, in life as I am, and that they're very, that they're there. So let's talk about one of the more preferred or famous forms of ancestral veneration, and that is the pouring of libations. So in African cultures, African traditional religions, the ritual of pouring libations is essentially a ceremonial tradition and a way of giving homage to the ancestors. So really, the pouring of libations is pouring out water, alcohol, wine, any type of liquid to the ancestors as a gift or an offering. Um. A lot of people, and I've had this conversation with one of my dear friends, he is from Niger, shout out to you, Sing, was telling me about how um, in different cultures in Africa, when they see Americans pouring libations, they think that it's ignorant or it's uh, wicked or blasphemous. I hope you don't get upset when I say this, but I wanted to combat this ideology by number one proving that libations were a part of ancient judaism and is mentioned often in the bible okay so let me give you the first example so the first example of the pouring of libations is mentioned in genesis 35 and 13 through 15 and the passage is called jacob is named israel so this one right here come from the Bernin Standard Bible. This ain't King James. He didn't have his hands, his greedy little paws on it. So I'm going to start here at verse 13. Verse 13 says, then God went up from the place where he had spoken with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where God had spoken with him, a stone maker, and he poured out a drink offering on it, anointed it with oil. And Jacob called the place where God has spoken with him, Bethel. Clear, clear form of ancestral veneration. Um, he is offering this water as a, as a sacrifice or as a gift to God. And then he anoints it with oil. So let me give you another example. Uh, the second example can be found in 2 Samuel 23, 15 through 17. And the passage is called David's Mighty Men. This also comes from the Bernine Standard Bible. And it reads, quote, David longed for water and said, oh, 
that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. Verse 16, so three mighty men broke through the Philistine camp, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and brought it back to David. But he refused to drink. Instead, he poured it unto the Lord, saying, far be it from me, O Lord, to do this. It is not the blood of the men who risked their lives. So he refused to drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty men. It's a sacrifice. Although David was thirsty and he longed for water, he gave it to God and he prayed over the blood of the men. And I'm pretty sure um, God blessed him in which he requested. And this um, story of David's mighty men is recalled by Ezra in First Chronicles 11 and 18. So if you want to look it up for my Bible thumpers, they want to sit up here and tell me what I'm talking about is blasphemous. It's not. You need to read your Bible. Um, lastly, when we are talking about the pouring of libations, I wanted to point out that African-Americans do, in fact, participate in the pouring of libations. Um, it is urbanly or known on the street as pouring one out for the homies. And pouring one out refers to the act of pouring liquid, usually an alcoholic beverage on the ground as a sign of reverence for friends or relatives that have passed away. So even if you don't think you doing a little hoodoo, I just want to ask you, who do you think you are? Now, so uh, we're going to leave this list here because you need to start pouring libations. You see what I'm saying? Now, there's not a, a lot of people because, see, we get into the technicality of it. Because when you don't deal with the spiritual world, it's got to be a technicality of what you do into the physical. So there's no, remember now, there's people in here and there's another dimension where the people that you think are dead are waiting on you because that's life and this is actually death. So the people that you think are gone, your people that died, if they haven't reincarnated, they're sitting here with you. And when you pull these, these, these particular, you conjure up these particular invocations or the libations, you bring them back. And that's the force to help you. You see what I'm saying? That's the force that helps you. Now, the key to the whole thing is, is this. You need to start learning how to do these things within the last days. This is the stuff that can protect you. You pull your libations, you step outside, you go everywhere you want to go, you won't get shot, you won't get killed, and you won't get anything. Well, it's not a matter of uh, uh, protecting yourself from black people, but in the next couple of months, you might have to protect yourself from white people. Now, when we were talking about the Honorable Mr. President Bishop Scholar Bishop Mason, the man who was over the Kojic Church, I told you guys that he was practicing divination. So let's take this time and unpack and try to understand what divination is. And I know that's a big word for Elmo, but I promise it's not as difficult of a phrase as you think it is. So opposed to magic, divination seeks to determine what course of action should be taken. So with qualification, the Bible does condemn all forms of divination that do not include or that bypass God or its author and its subject. It seems that a lot of people 
are offended to find that God did not take the approach to exclude divination from practices that dealt with his people and instructions to Israel. God's instructions against this and all God directed forms of metaspiritual techniques are found in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 18 verses 9 through 14 and I'm gonna read the scripture when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations there shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire or that useth divination or an observer of times or an enchancer or a witch or a charmer or a counselor with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer for all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out before Verse 13 says, thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God for these nations with thou shalt possess hearkened into observation of time and unto diviners. But as for the Lord, thy God has not suffered thee to do so. End quote. So I want you guys to understand that although it goes contrary to modern understanding, God often directed and allowed his people to use methods of divination under his direction. In fact, there is an example of this use um, in the Bible. And it is the story of Pham and Urim. And God used these objects as divination methods to communicate with his people. Um, I'm not going to read their scripture to y'all because I can't pronounce their names and I'm not going to try to butcher them. Okay. But essentially this story is that um, Aaron came down from the mountain and um, this ain't even in the standard bible this is found in the book of mormon this comes from like the mormon church but it's apparently this missing book from the regular king james bible but aaron came down from the mountain and he didn't know which way to go and appeared this um brass ball and inside of it was um arrows inside of it and he shook it and whichever way the arrow or the arrows pointed was the way in which he went and he asked God to guide him into whichever way it was that he went so um like I said divination is a form to be able to communicate with the divine and um the objects that are used to to communicate with the God, to with God or Yahweh, um, our crystals, jewels, and stones, and um, spiritual leaders or mediums are should be able to consult with God using divination tools. Folks say that divination is evil, that different forms of divination is evil, but divination can be found obviously and un and unobviously. Throughout the biblical text, I'll give you one example where I think is divination. So I think this is in Numbers 11 when uh, the, the people of Israel were complaining and they asked Moses to intercede and go before God. I don't know what question they asked. Oh, to heal the warts that was on their body. 
and um, God told Moses to take a serpent and then it turned into a golden staff that anybody that would look upon the staff will be healed. In my opinion, that's a form of divination. Okay. But what I want to say is a lot of people say divination is evil because you're working with spirits. You are working with spirits, but what spirits are you working with? That's the common sense question. Are you working with the spirit of your ancestors? Are you working with the spirit of water, of land, of air, of fire? Are you working with the spirits of your region, the spirits of the crossroads, the railroad? What what what, what kind of spirits are you working with is the common sense question to ask before you deem something demonic or evil. So the final part of this episode I wanted to talk about was things that you niggas been doing your whole life that you didn't know was hoodoo. Par exemple, the first one is for the girls that's putting your purse on the ground. Black women everywhere are superstitious about putting wallets purses backpacks on the ground and it's because if you put your stuff on the ground it'll result in bad luck now for more experienced um hoodoo practitioners they will tell you to keep your wallet clean throw away all receipts throw away any type of trash within your wallet or purse because that'll mess up the flow of money um, the second example of things you didn't know that you was doing that was hoodoo was cooking black eyed peas for New Year's. My mama don't cook at all, but I swear for Lord, every year on December 31st, she gonna get that ass up. She gonna have her nice house gown on and she gonna have her hair wrapped and she is going to put some black eyed peas in the crock pot. Why? Because when you cook black eyed peas for New Year's Eve, it will give you good luck and financial abundance. If you didn't know, nigga, now you know. The next one is sweeping over people's feet or over your own feet. Um real southern black people know about this one they know that as a result of sweeping over your feet that creates bad luck so what do you do if someone sweeps over your feet you you spit on the broom um you have to think about it from an afrocentric or hoodoo mindset the bottom of the broom is what dirty so if someone sweeps your feet they're putting dirt negativity bad energy onto your body and you don't want that so you spit on the broom um the next one is going to be something that is very cultural which is jumping the broom um nick's been jumping the broom since enslaved days it's just a form of hoodoo is a tradition um i recently learned that that is a tradition that is um looped in with the the gypsies yes it's the gypsies they too jumped the broom and i find it interesting that they jumped the broom um essentially during the um inner african slave trade i think a lot of gypsies were caught up they're darker skin too and they share like similar dna with us and similar traditions and that is one of the traditions that we both share together which is the jumping of broom the last example of things that you niggas do that you don't know was who do it's something that all the kids have been terrified to do since jump and it's splitting the pole my mama still will snatch me up to this day and make me walk on the same side as her because if you split the pole you gonna get bad luck okay also um throwing salt over your shoulder 
that's hoodoo. It's, it's cinnamon baths, yoni bowls. It's a lot of stuff that we do as black people that is considered hoodoo or hoodoo practices. And it's, it's not a religion. It's deeply ingrained within our culture. And it's so important. Um, before I sign off on this topic, I just want to let you guys know that for those who want to participate in hoodoo, um, and it's just hoodoo, not voodoo, not nothing else solely for hoodoo. Hoodoo is not supposed to be something that's supposed to be expensive. You are not supposed to be going out and buying all these lavish candles and lavish tarot cards for divination or all these crazy crystals and all this stuff or spices or whatever because the practitioners of hoodoo were originally enslaved people they were poor so they did not have access to all these different types of resources what they did was they used and they utilized the things that were around them and were found near them most of the times if you were to practice hoodoo you should be able to go within your kitchen and use day-to-day objects like salt pepper cayenne you should be able to use cinnamon you should be able to have rice those are or you should be able to make holy water our holy water is is water that's been prayed it's often because of that kind of religious conservatism that people move out dr yvonne Chirot studies african and indigenous religions a lot of these religions came to the united states after the middle passage after the period of slavery like uh, other immigrants, they bring their cultures and their religions. But because when they come to the United States, they're often met with hostility, they tended to be uh, secretive. Can you talk about the role that social media has played? Because especially if we're talking about the younger generation, they might not be as dedicated to being ordained and you know, kind of doing all these rituals, but if I go up and down my timeline, now everybody's a witch, everybody's burning sage. Prior to the turn of the 20th century, they utilized the internet or whatever media was available in order to be spiritual entrepreneurs. They would sell goods and services. They would treat clients and so forth. With the coming of the digital age, and in particular social media, I really feel like younger people are grabbing on to some of the digital trends where they can sort of brand themselves as practitioners. It's a kind of identity to be a part of this. So the internet and social media has certainly helped to popularize it, um, but I really do feel strongly that this is something of a movement in that young black people, they are reaching back, they are recovering that which is ancestral, but they're doing it in their own way. Shout out to the slaves. Yeah, shout out to the slaves, you feel me? Shout out to Harriet Tubman. That shout was out to the real niggas. Shout out to the real niggas. And shout out again to all those people who hate my guts. Y'all are doing a justice and an effort to the world. Keep breaking these men down one at a time. You are obsessed and sick. And we are back with the Big Black Shout Out, the blackest shout out in the world. The Big Black Shout Out is an opportunity to help circulate the black dollar back into our communities and for audience members to explore black owned hidden gems. So I have two black musicians 
that I'm going to shout out, love them personally, and their music is amazing. Not just saying that because I know them personally, but because I have good taste and they have good taste. So the first business that I would like to shout out is Low Tide Division Productions, and the owner is Jeremy D. Brown, located out in Atlanta, Georgia. I asked Jeremy, I said, Jeremy, what you do? He said, He is a musical artist, a producer, photographer, videographer, and an actor. Y'all, I saw D. Brown in an episode of Atlanta and almost lost my shit. I'm taking videos and pictures and zooming in on shit. Anywho. So, D. Brown's mission statement is to be the most notable entertainer from Mississippi musically and artistically. And you guys can find D. Brown online at www.lowtidedivision.com. You can also find him on Instagram at D. Brown LTD, YouTube at D. Brown LTD, and you can also find his IMBD. And he also has an album coming out entitled Mississippi Pimpin' and it will be released summer of 2023 and if you love me you'll be excited to know that um I will be featured in the album so if you want to hear me talk my shit if you want to hear D Brown pop his shit um, be waiting for Mississippi Pimpin' to be released in the summer of 2023. So shout out to UD Brown and shout out to the Low Tide Division Productions. Next, I would like to shout out Ramora Tally. Now, Ramora Tally, um, aka Toot, he is also an artist in R&B artist a rapper and he's just real smooth and vibey so his mission statement is to bring back actual art into music to tell his story to inspire our um, other people and he feels as if, as if there is a lack of black perspectives being shown in the south without violence being involved and he believes that music was originally designed to heighten one's vibrations with music being pushed now brings an individual to a low vibration and fills the African-American brain with negative thoughts. Toot said that he is here to prevent it. And he said, you know, he just is not out yet. He got some work coming. But he is in the middle of perfecting it. So if you want to stay here and you want to wait on Ramar to drop his music, because he does um, produce amazing music. He also takes my photos for my Instagram. D has also taken pictures for my um, Instagram. You can find him at um, IG at Ramar, R-U-H-M-A-R-R, Spotify at Ramar, R-U-H-M-A-R, and Apple Music at Ramar, R-U-H-M-A-R. And he is located in the Starble Tupelo area. So shout out to these two musical geniuses. You will be hearing them on a platform near you. Please forgive me for any sins in which I committed those. I know of those I don't know, Lord. Lord, please forgive me for beating this bitch ass today, Lord. Lord, please forgive me for thinking about beating her ass again, Lord. Please rebuke all these demons that's in this house, Lord. I pray Is that to really you, necessary? And now it's time for the altar call and the 
altar call is the final segment of any podcast episode and i'm just here to let my people know that i'm here and i'm praying for them and this is an opportunity for y'all to get your prayer on because you know i'm here and i'm i'm fasting and i'm hoping and i'm i'm on my knees every night and i'm asking god to get your credit score right yes i am amen um today i just wanted to come in the need of prayer for the family of uh, angela black china and for her mother tokyo tiny or tiny tokyo or la china i don't know which asian continent they want to be on lord but your spirit is everywhere and i'm hoping that you can bless them indeed and enlarge their cause because they acting like they broke father yes um it's a lot of um spirits and entities going on um i see the spirit of addiction on tokyo tiny yes lord uh the bbl spirit is all over angela and lord we ask that you remove it remove the plastic lord remove the filler and the silicone jesus them bbls is messing up your people lord it's gonna make them a rocket foundation and you said if you build a foundation on the sand it'll be destroyed but if one builds a foundation of as on a mountain they just might be saved so god we are calling unto you as humble servants lord release them and get them off my tl i can't stand it lord please in jesus name amen In Jesus' name, may any hose sent from hell be supernaturally repelled from any husbands. In Jesus' name, we, we come against hose in the name of Jesus. We declare hose have no place here. <laughs> in Jesus' name. <laughs> guys so much for tuning into this episode who do you think you are um i love talking about atrs african traditional religions i love talking about american religions from an afrocentric perfection perspective and um i think the topic of hoodoo is so interesting and i have so much more information to talk about i could probably start a series on different atrs and religions and talk about it from different perspectives but this is what i have for you guys right now um a few housekeeping i will be posting a blog for this episode um you can find that link in any bio in my social media it's called afrocentric the blog and i will have that updated for you guys um and that's going to be it as far as i know so thank you guys so much for choosing to be afrocentric today please remember that black lives matter listen and protect black women and children and the only thing that you must do in this lifetime is be black and die and here at the afrocentric podcast we're just civilized people having civilized conversations i'll talk to you guys bye-bye
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When my enemies and my foe came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though an host shall encamp against me, yet in this will I be comforted. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Don't you know I need you, Lord? Don't you know that I need you? Don't you know ha, 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 that I need you? Ha, ha, ha. 